and welcome to the Friday, March 15th, 2019, Ides of March edition of On Iowa Politics. Beware. This week, Senate election star power and barnstorming with Beto. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Ed Tibbetts of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Ed. Morning, James. Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Aaron Murphy, we newspaper statehouse bureau chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, Iowa State Senate race draws the stars. A Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa Senate race is drawing some big name campaign assistance. Eric Giddens, the Democrat running in Senate 30 against former Iowa House member Walt Rogers, is getting help from some folks who might be even better known than he is. Uh, Thomas, tell us about this. Who's showing up for uh, Eric Giddens in this special election Tuesday? Well, uh, over the weekend, we're going to be having um, Beto O'Rourke and Amy Klobuchar and Cory Booker, as well as uh, there's what John Delaney is also going to be out there. So, I mean, overall, the race has seen a lot of presidential candidates kind of coming through, and um, it's it's kind of interesting in that it's been bringing in all those like a lot of big name uh, caucus candidates out out here. Uh, What uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think about a week ago, came out and kicked off uh, kicked off the race and kicked off the canvassing for him, which has also been interesting because the cold weather combined with the flooding has made. a lot of the canvassing for the candidates a little bit more uh, precarious. <laughs> Is there a downside to having uh, all the star power coming in and sort of overshadowing the candidates? Well, um, to a certain degree, uh, I think, you know, some of the major issues that maybe would impact Cedar Valley residents have been kind of fallen to the wayside uh, in with more uh, national ideas coming forward, and I think that doesn't always. I think it's always a good idea to kind of for a race like this, for a lot of the issues to be focused on what the candidates want to be able to do and what their what they want to be able to impact at the legislature. And I think with all these, with all the. Uh, with all the presidential candidates coming in, it's made it more difficult for those ideas to come forward, and it's become more of the the National Democratic Party versus, to a certain degree, Walt Rogers, uh, which has been kind of interesting. Um, and frankly, I just kind of feel like the his his voice is kind of his and both uh, Fred Perryman, the Libertarian's voice, have been kind of fallen to the wayside. So it's made it. It's made it a little more and more interesting as it's gone forward because Eric Giddens has gone from kind of a you know a Cedar Falls school board member to a Democratic star for right now when I think perhaps his ambitions were no more than just to be a state senator. So uh, I, I've seen a Walt Rogers ad on TV. What's he doing to sort of cut through all the attention that Eric Giddens is getting with with the presidential hopefuls coming in? Primarily, he's just you know continuing doing like the campaigning he's done, 
um, in the past, and I think uh, he's trying to reach, you know, the conservative vote here in Cedar Falls and Waterloo and part of Hudson. He's been trying to reach out to those people and let them know that he will be their voice and he'll be the voice for the Cedar Valley and the majority is kind of his main push. Outside of that, he's kind of, he's trying to not, uh, his goal is kind of to be a little bit more uh, steady and not as loud can, and be that person that you, you know, a, a less loud individual in what has become a very loud race. Okay. Now, I mean, he's a, a former House member for in, uh, um, half of that Senate district. Gibbs is a school board member, so they're both fairly well known, uh, been on the ballot before. Any predictions on this race, Thomas? Well, uh, you know, honestly, I only I give a slight edge to Giddens simply because he's gotten a lot more. He's getting a lot more uh, traction with his voice and his name recognition, but beyond that, I don't, I don't know whether actually this uh, everyone getting out there and throwing their support, all these national Democrats getting out there and throwing their support behind Giddens is going to do really too much to help him out, you know. Um, but it is a primarily, you know, the majority of the people in the district are Democrats. Of so the, they're what about thirteen thousand of the forty-one thousand. Um, individuals in the district uh, for plurality are, Demo are registered Democrats. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see whether or not um, any of this any of this presidential uh, spotlight actually plays any major difference in this race or makes any major difference. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like uh, it's going to come down to turnout again. Uh, Absolutely. In so, many, in so many races. So. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. The election, special election, is Tuesday. Um, and uh, to fill the seat that uh, uh, Jeff Danielson vacated when he resigned from the Senate earlier this year. Go ahead, Tom. So you were going to add something? Okay. Yeah, but a quick note on turnout. They had their uh, satellite voting districts open on the campus at, university, at the University of Northern Iowa. And what's kind of interesting is that over 800 people came out and voted in that, uh, in that, at that satellite voting location over the two days that it was open. So right now, if that's how turnout seems to be going, and if turnout is, you know, whoever is going to have turnout as the advantage, is they're probably going to be doing better than the other. Sure. Right, moving right along here, Aaron went road tripping with former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Um, who paid for the gas, Aaron? <laughs> well, I, I assume Beto did because he was also driving, actually. So um, uh, uh, the, the multitasking presidential candidate was driving himself, eating a sandwich in between campaign stops, having his lunch, and, and conducting an interview with me. So um, it was um, a, a little bit impressive and also a, a little bit uh, scary at times. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that he... Uh moves his hands around a lot like he's playing an invisible accordion uh did he keep his hands on the wheel while he was driving <laughs> yeah he didn't he didn't do the wild gesturing during the interviewing thankfully <laughs> so what did you learn from uh o'rourke uh, while you were driving along the mississippi river well, we talked a little bit about um, uh, what I was curious to hear from him was why he chose Southeast Iowa specifically. Um, uh, we know where the Democratic strongholds are in Iowa, Des Moines, uh, Cedar Rapids, 
uh, Dubuque, um, and uh, he chose to to start his campaign here in in the southeast corner of the state in in uh, Lee and Des Moines counties. Um, little towns like uh, uh, smaller towns like Keokuk and Fort Madison um, and Burlington. Um, and for those of us, and, and I'm sure uh, this was no accident in his campaign, they know what they're doing. Um, uh, and for those of us who follow politics, know that uh, of, uh, along those string of Mississippi River counties where there were a lot of those uh, uh, so-called Obama-Trump voters, the, the, the folks who swung from having voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 and, and switched uh, to voting to uh, President Donald Trump in 2016. So um, uh, that's an area where uh, clearly there are a lot of voters who um, whose uh, party allegiance isn't as strong as in other areas of the state, and and, uh, um, and maybe that's a signal that uh, Beto O'Rourke uh, sees himself as a candidate that can speak to those voters and, and try and bring them back to uh, voting for the Democrat uh, this time around. He talked a lot about uh, unity um, um, and wanting to uh, bring everybody uh, together. And he said that um, uh, that area of the state is, is, is a perfect uh, place to to introduce that message. So he doesn't think he's too late getting into this uh, race too late with, you know, 444 other candidates already <laughs> out there campaigning. Uh, he, he, he thinks he's got a chance in the caucuses. Yeah, yeah, that didn't seem to be a concern of his. And, and um, I asked him and some of the folks at some of the little um, – uh, Q&As that he hosted at the same thing, you know, how are you going to manage to stand out in, in this field? And, and he didn't have a real specific answer other than to kind of give his resume and, and what he's done in, in the past. Um, um, but I will say that, you know, and, and you know, and I tried to diversify, um, and, uh, but, but I'll tell you, the people that I talked to, the people I managed to find, um, all loved him a lot. And, and not just the, I like him, but we'll see. Um, I got a lot of the candidates to look at. I, I kept running into people who uh, I love Beto. This is my guy. Um, and about the only one of the few exceptions I found to that was um, Joe Biden's my guy. But if Joe doesn't run, then, I, then I'm with Beto. So uh, he um, he the, the at least among the few. And you know, this is anecdotal, small sample size, obviously kind of thing. I, I want to be careful about projecting this too much, but uh, more so than other events that I've been at this, this thus far, anyways, um, there were the people in the crowds were uh, uh, really liked this candidate and 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 uh, are, are ready to uh, to get behind them. That's interesting. Um, and sticking with sort of the road theme. Uh, as you follow Beto around, or you know his travels around Iowa, is there a lane for him in Iowa in the contest here? Um, what's it, what's his way forward? You know, I think there are so many candidates, I, I don't even know what the lanes are, uh, frankly, um, uh, you know, in Iowa. Uh, but, yes, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there's certainly a spot for them. There's a spot for all of them. They've just got to, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, they, they've got to carve out their own lane. And and I think that O'Rourke starts with some uh, some advantages. Uh, he you know his youth, his enthusiasm uh, appeals to people. He comes into the state with uh, somewhat of a rock star status. Um, and 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 I think this is no small thing. He almost won a, a Senate election in Texas, a red state that presents all kinds of possibilities for Democrats in 2020. And so I think about it this way: Democrats who um, who want uh, uh, more than anything else uh, to get a new president in the White House in 2020. Um, I, I, I think that that a candidate who could go into the 2020 general election with a real chance of winning a red state like Texas and others like it um, uh, has got to be very exciting for uh, for them. I think that's a pretty powerful electability argument, um, you know, and, and so I'm sure we're going to hear that uh, from O'Rourke. But, you know, like all the candidates, I think he's got to uh, explain why he wants to be president, what he wants to do, and, um, you know, as you know, others are ahead of him on that score, but I think he can catch up. Do you think this is a case of where sort of that enthusiasm, uh, fresh face, uh, vision uh, is going to be more important to uh, caucus goers than the lack of a record? I mean, uh, he doesn't have a stellar congressional record. I think uh, somebody said he got a courthouse named uh, in his district, but uh, he doesn't have a, I mean, there's no, you know, uh, significant legislation that he authored. Um, but that may not be a drawback this year. You know, I don't know that um, that uh, you know that is a big deal. I think you know, as I've watched Iowans um, who 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 go to caucus, um, they want to be excited uh, about who they vote for. Um, yes, they want somebody who can win. They want somebody who has good ideas. Um, they want to be excited, though. And I think that uh, uh, I think O'Rourke offers the possibility, uh, given that he can fill in some of these other blanks, uh, of, of exciting people. Okay, and, and I'll just add on. Sure, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to add on to that. I, 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 that was a, a, a good answer by Edna, aligned with everything that I heard this weekend. And also to, to, to just kind of tack on to it, that question also came up a couple times um, uh, about the experience, and, the, and then I would, and you know, talking to voters, uh, Iowans afterwards, and and over here in some conversations, um, the experience thing came up, and I didn't hear in, anyone say that that was a concern uh, for them, um, and to Ed's point, uh, um, they're excited by this guy, um, and, and the lack of experience um, doesn't seem to be um, a, a cause for concern uh, for at least the people that I uh, heard from um, this week. And, and then the flip side of that, too, is um, uh, there can be a bonus there, too. You don't have a legislative record for your um, opponents to, uh, uh, you know, to point fingers at and, and try to criticize votes. So, so there's something to be said for having that clean uh, slate, too. Yeah, it, it didn't seem to hurt Donald Trump that he didn't have a much of a <laughs> legislative record. <laughs> Todd, uh, we're still more than 10 months out uh, from caucuses. Uh, are, are you seeing any signs that this race is taking shape, or are Democrats still in the kind of the stage of the kid in the candy store tasting everything they can get their hands on? Yeah, well, you know, Tonight there'll be kids in a T-shirt shop, I guess, when he visits when Beto visits Reagan, <laughs> which, I mean, the the sheer volume of sort of liberal hipsterism that will be coming together there will be pretty astounding. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, yeah, I, I think there's you know you're going to see people as 
as Ed talked about and Aaron talked about, folks that are sort of lining up behind candidates now. But I think for the most part, you're going to see, you know, folks take take this cautiously and look at all these candidates. And you've got, I mean, who knows how many there will be by this time next month. And, I mean, we've, we've yet to see their parade game on the 4th of July. We haven't seen them at the state fair yet. There's all the all the important tests that they haven't crossed yet. And I think people will, many people will sort of wait and and sort of enjoy the attention that Iowa will be getting and enjoy all these events and, and listen to all these candidates. And, I, I mean, you'll see some, some elected officials are already starting to get behind some of these folks, and you'll see some endorsements. But I, I think there's going to be a large number of caucus goers who are not only undecided but perhaps thought they were decided and then listened to, the, listened to other candidates and maybe become undecided again. So there's going to be a lot of late deciders, I think, in, in this. So we'll – and there'll be, you know, forums and debates that'll 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 have an impact on that, how they perform on a, on the big stage and without a net. Iowans uh, always seem to be late deciders on the caucuses. Uh, you know, they can change their mind right up until uh, that cold winter night. Uh, so I guess we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out, but. For the moment, it certainly seems that Beto O'Rourke is the, the flavor of the day, uh, the week. Um, and like you say, Todd, we'll, we don't know how many candidates will be next month. But we'll talk about them on the next on future editions of On Iowa Politics. I hope this edition has been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Porch Builder will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Thomas, Ed, Aaron, Todd, and our producer Max, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. 